It's Friday, May 31st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Today we have a follow-up to a story that started in November 2016. The mysterious sonic attacks on U.S. and Canadian diplomats in Cuba. They reported hearing loud screeches or buzzing sounds and then came down with dizziness, headaches, difficulty concentrating, and other symptoms resembling a traumatic brain injury. We never did find out what caused it, and it may stay that way due to the way the U.S. State Department began the medical investigation. Much of the early research may have been botched or biased. Dan Vergano, BuzzFeed News reporter, joins us for the deep dive he did into what has become known as Havana Syndrome. Next, another day, another political controversy. This time the controversy involves emails to Navy and Air Force officials about the President's Memorial Day weekend visit to Japan and a request to keep the USS John McCain out of sight of President Trump. The President and Acting Defense Secretary distanced themselves from the order, but it continued the long feud that the President has with the late Senator. My producer Miranda joins us to break it down. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. The woman we spoke to, it sounds more serious. She hasn't returned to work and is having trouble with things like balance throughout her daily life and concentrating again. And she is not in great shape. Her experience was more severe. Joining us now is Dan Vergano, science reporter for BuzzFeed News. We're going to be talking about an interesting story, something we've been covering for quite a while now. These mysterious sonic attacks that were uh, plaguing diplomats there in Cuba. For the past three years, it's been going on. Diplomats working in Cuba, they were complaining of these mysterious ailments and symptoms after hearing these strange noises, metallic shrieks, something like that. So they were had dizziness, headaches, difficulty concentrating, and a few other things. Many were reporting long-lasting, maybe permanent effects. We don't really know. They called it the Havana Syndrome. Let's start at the beginning, Dan, in November 2016, when the diplomats started reporting strange noises. What was going on? A new administration had come into power, and things were getting suddenly very stressful over Cuba policy, which had been opening under Obama and now looked set to become quite tense under the new president. So you had a small handful of diplomatic personnel in Cuba who, in November, reported later that they were hearing these kind of noises and had the associated like neurologic effects. They were dizzy. They had hearing problems and other things. It wasn't really until supposedly like Christmas Eve 2016 that they told the embassy officially that this was going on. And personnel there, the ambassador became aware that, oh my gosh, there's reports of people having real problems rather than just being harassed by the cube. And what were the sounds? The descriptions of them range all over the place, high-pitched screeching, there was buzzing noises. Everybody was describing it a different way. Everybody does describe it a slightly different way. There does seem to be, they call uh, fall into a range of, of sudden metallic or buzzing or mechanical-ish noises. But everybody, you know, we've spoken to in other news outlets, you know, we've read widely, have described it that way. But nobody has a consistent story. Nobody has a consistent, like, you know, exactly where they were when it happened. There was a supposed tape of it released by another news outlet. Some of the people we've spoken to have cast out on that being a genuine or an accurate recording of what they were hearing. The short answer is it's all over the place, like you said. There does seem to be consistent that there was noises. That's like it. There were noises. <laughs> right. And then people report the symptoms. Yeah. And those sounds that you were talking about, I think it was the Associated Press had a buzzing sound. People started saying it was crickets. I think they even matched up, said this recording sounds just like right. these Cuban crickets. 
<laughs> you know, so these people weren't experiencing anything. It was just these crickets. So yeah, it's been totally confusing from the get go. And, and some people didn't report sounds, you know, I mean, like in some of the data that's come out there, sounds weren't associated with people reporting these symptoms. That's not even consistent. That's one of the things that drives experts nuts trying to figure out what's going on here. You were able to speak to at least two of these diplomats that experienced mm -hmm. this and, and had some effects from the noises they were hearing. How did they describe it to you? What were their specific symptoms and how are they doing now? Well, they have lingering after effects. A man we spoke to has gone back to work and he's able to function. He just says that he has you know, trouble concentrating compared to before. The woman we spoke to, it sounds more serious. She hasn't returned to work and is having trouble with things like balance throughout her daily life and concentrating again. And she is not in great shape. Her experience was more severe. Yeah. The way you described it in the article was pretty crazy. She said, I felt an extreme pressure, like the full frontal top of my face was exploding off of my head. I mean, that just sounds right. like just such extreme pain and very localized you know like the top half of their head being right. pulled off not the bottom you know very weird she said she had a duck away from the sound she had she tried to like hide beneath a, a cabinet or something like that leading me to think she ran around a corner if it was an attack if it was a sonic attack if it was a microwave thing we still don't know if it was much more directional because if she could run around the corner and get away from the sound what does that mean a lot of the incidents did report that locationality that you could duck out of it and duck back into it if you wanted to which is obviously one of the things that's got both thinking like oh my gosh it must be some kind of mystery beam that's doing this. now that we know exactly what we're dealing with how did the government respond and there was two studies that were being done. We still don't know exactly what happened. It's looking more and more like the investigations into this were kind of botched or biased because these yeah. two competing studies were trying to be the first ones to publish. Uh, there's these reports of these proprietary goggles that one of the teams was using. It just all this confusion just got amplified. So tell us about how we're still confused. So 2017 starts and there's more of these things happening erratically on and off. And by February, the embassies like the Cubans are pulling a fast one here. So they call into University of Miami Medical Center where Miami is the evacuation point and they say, aha, you need a, a person who's familiar with brain injuries, has a background in this sort of thing. And the person who ends up dealing with it, it is Dr. Michael Hoffer at University of Miami Medical Center who has experience with brain injuries from warfare. Areas uh, of expertise is blast injuries and inner ear injuries. So he looks at these people and more and more start coming in and yay verily, his team, we now know from the emails we've gotten through FOIA, comes to the conclusion pretty quickly that these guys are suffering something that looks a lot like blast injuries and may have caused inner ear injuries, which is what they're good at finding. By April, they're working hard on that. And in May, Hoffer goes to Cuba and looks at more people. In July, the State Department calls together a bunch of brain injury experts, but they keep it very narrowly to brain injury experts. They've keyed in on this and they decide to have the people treated at the University of Pennsylvania's Brain Injury Center, which is very well regarded. Lots of staff, has more time than university had places at the University of Miami. It's closer to Washington, D.C., where many of the diplomats live. And these folks are concussion expert. And so they start looking at these people. It's clear from the emails by August, November of 2017 that to them, it looks a hell of a lot like concussions, you know, which is what they're good at finding. <laughs> right. These two teams, meanwhile, start out cooperating. You give me your data, I'll give you my data in conversations in August of 2017 to both publish papers. And this is what you do in science. You publish a paper with your findings and they want to score a win.
winner. They both want to be in the big leagues. One starts angling to get in the JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is probably the number two prestige medical journal in the world, and the other in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is probably number one. So they're both putting papers together with the data they've taken from these patients, which is a side effort. It's not something that the State Department is running. It's an ad hoc side thing that the department allows as long as they get it approved from them, but isn't something funded or run or overseen by State Department personnel. Their State Department is just like, just fix them. Right. They're not so much about the research itself. And part of that, you, you were alluding to some of it, too, is kind of that confirmation bias. A lot of these teams were specialized in traumatic brain injuries, concussions, things like that. Right. And some of the criticism was you didn't pull in a range of experts because we're dealing with something we have no clue what happened. And they're narrowly looking at just the brain injury and they don't know if there could have been a crazy virus or or something else. So that was one of the criticisms that these two teams got. I mean, I just got done reporting two years of Zika where the experts had assured us that there's no mosquito borne virus that can be transmitted sexually or cause neurological effects. And, you know, whoops, turns out that there was and we had no idea. So we don't know. You know, there's all kinds of things we don't know. And that they keyed in on this kind of brain injury related to some kind of impact of the head very quickly rather than psychology or anything else. The experts who've looked at these kind of outbreaks in the past are like, what are they doing? This is honing in on an answer too quickly. So what did these studies say when they were finally released? The team's quibble over authorship and data, and JAMA grabs the results from the University of Pennsylvania very quickly after they finish their studies. And in February, they release a paper saying, yay, verily, from looking at 21 diplomats, we think the University of Pennsylvania team thinks that they have a concussion-like syndrome because they have things like dizziness and nausea and difficulty concentrating. These are all things we see in concussions, although they don't show the other physical signs that we associate concussions, but it's something like that. All the neuroscientists in the world who look at this paper are like, what? This could be anything. This doesn't mean anything. They've set their criteria for things like what they're calling brain damage in these patients so widely that, you know, 40% of the population could qualify. So that simmers and results in a whole bunch of angry letters in August of 2018. December of 2018, the University of Miami team finally publishes their results after trying to pitch it to different journals. They get knocked out of New England Journal when the JAMA scoops them. And they publish it in a small journal and they say, we've looked at 25 diplomats and yay, verily, they have something that looks like inner ear injuries, similar to blast victims have <laughs> because wow. of dizziness and nausea and difficulty concentrating and so forth. They have our test from our patented goggles show that we can differentiate them from people. So what you have are two teams that don't agree on what's going on here. And meanwhile, the outside world of neuroscience is saying that neither one of them is convincing. And the even larger world of outbreaks are going, none of this makes sense. So we have these poor people like the people we interviewed and other people who have no idea what happened to them and are wondering if this is going to be their whole life. Are they being even treated correctly if the understanding of what's wrong with them is incorrect? And they never made a determination what they think actually caused They were all kind of centering around. It could have been some type of microwaves, something like that. But they were just diagnosing what the patients had, not really coming to a conclusion on what might have caused it. It started out in August of 2017 when the news broke. It was like ultrasound did it, ultrasound. And we go and talk to ultrasound experts and they said, that's nuts. You can't do that with ultrasound, not without having a generator the size of an airplane next to the window, you know, doing the thing. And okay, so it looks like they went through the year and decided that it was microwaves. Okay, another year later, microwaves. Then we talk to microwave experts including the guys who figured out the uh, clicking effect you can have if you shoot microwaves at people hard enough in their ears, which is an internal noise, by the way, not external. And they said, no, nah, that's crazy. You'd need a thing the size of a, you know, a factory next door shooting the microwaves at people for it to do. And it would bake them. It wouldn't cause these kind of effects. We've never seen this. Okay, so what they're saying is it's a combination, a subtle combination of microwaves and ultrasound at the right frequency. The rejoinder of that is like 
sure, maybe, okay, whatever. But uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound very likely. There have been people who are experts in ultrasound who say, like, you could produce noises with some screw-ups of ultrasound sort of listening devices. You know, if you had countermeasures and listening devices aimed at each other and they were just at the right frequency, then maybe they could make noises of some kind that would alarm people, but those wouldn't do damage. Where does that leave you? There yeah. might be a way to generate noises. There might be a way to hurt people, but the two things don't come together. In response to all of this, the U.S. pulled the diplomats out of Cuba at the time. What are the next steps in investigating this then? Because it just seems like we're still nowhere with it. I know that there's a study coming from the CDC that we should be expecting this year, I think. Right. There's another study by the NIH that is doing a five-year investigation. Well, the NIH does basic research, and essentially the NIH is collecting data just like these other teams did, but in a more fulsome way on these injured individuals and on controls, people who are healthy from the State Department and went through the same experience, see if there's any difference between them, trying to find a difference that will give a key to what's wrong with them. The CDC thing is just going to be, again, like an epidemiology study. Like, we went there, we looked at these people, this is their character. Also, the National Academy of Sciences is bringing experts together to try and figure it out. The real thing here is that there's this tremendous stigma around a psychological explanation. It might be that some person got sick the same time they heard noises, right. and, you know, their colleagues began to feel sick as well. It's psychologically, the same way that if I sneeze, you know, somebody else gets an early sneeze. That's human nature. But it's stigmatized in our society, and people don't want that as an explanation. But outbreaks like that happen all the time, and nobody wants to say that in official that because it looks like they're saying something bad about these diplomats. You know, right. if you're the diplomat's uh, bosses, you can't say this about them because it will say that you're treating me like I'm insane, which is not what it is at all, but our society treats this as if it's a weakness or a moral failing to suffer in one of these kind of things, even though it turns out they're about as normal as can be. Dan, you did a great job for BuzzFeed looking into this. You have various emails from the two teams going back and forth that shows kind of this right. competition and this whole thing of the goggles that we didn't really get too much into. It's a great uh, read. I suggest everybody go look into it because it's just such a crazy story. Thank you very much for joining us. Dan Vergano, science reporter at BuzzFeed News. You bet. John McCain, I wasn't a fan, but I would never do a thing like that. I don't know what happened. I wasn't involved. I would not have done that. Somebody did it because they thought I didn't like him. Okay? And they were well-meaning, I will say. I didn't know anything about it. I would never have done that. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. The big political controversy that happened yesterday was that of President Trump and the USS McCain. President Trump and his acting defense secretary had to distance themselves from an order to keep a warship named for the late Senator John McCain out of sight during his trip to uh, Japan over Memorial Day weekend. Miranda, tell us where this whole thing went off the rails. So the Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday that in a May 15th email to U.S. Navy and Air Force officials, the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command officials were outlining the plans for the president's arrival to Japan for Memorial Day weekend, like you said. And this was based on different conversations that they'd had with the White House military office and the seventh fleet of the U.S. Navy's. So this was all basically just their itinerary. What can yeah. we expect? This is our what we need. The advance team goes and checks it out. and Everything's got to be in the right position. The podium's got to be here. It's just all the logistical situations they got to take care of. Right. So in that list was a directive that while the president was expected to speak on the USS Wasp ship, apparently the USS John McCain ship is visible. They're all docked in the same area. And so one of the directives was that USS John McCain needs to be out of sight. It was point three on the list. So later, 
in the email chain, an official wrote, please confirm that number three will be satisfied, meaning that they were hammering home the point. Right. To not let President Trump see the USS John McCain. These emails have all been confirmed. The Wall Street Journal got a hold of them. The Associated Press has confirmed them with other Pentagon officials. So these emails have been set there. So then came the whole controversy. Was President Trump so angered by John McCain again and the possible presence of his ship there that he was making this order? President Trump was confronted by reporters on this issue on Thursday. And when asked about whether or not he issued this directive himself, this is what he had to say. John McCain, I wasn't a fan, but I would never do a thing like that. I don't know what happened. I wasn't involved. I would not have done that. Somebody did it because they thought I didn't like him. Okay, And they were well-meaning, I will say. I didn't know anything about it. I would never have done that. And that's kind of what stokes the political controversy even more. He says, whoever did it was well-meaning. I don't like the guy. You know, he kind of goes on to the whole thing that we already went through. Everybody knows that the president and the late Senator John McCain didn't get along. So let's take a step back and describe what actually happened. There's pictures of the USS John McCain with a tarp over the name. Apparently, Navy officials are saying that they were doing maintenance on the ship. It had crashed and it had like a hole in it. So they were doing some maintenance on it. But that tarp wasn't actually there when the president finally arrived. Right. Acting Defense Secretary Pat Shanahan was aware that there was a concern about the presence of the McCain ship in Japan. And he supposedly, allegedly approved these measures to avoid what White House officials believed might be a disruption to the president's visit. So another U.S. official said that following the request for the ship to be moved, senior Navy officials in Hawaii and Japan determined that the ships remain in their normal configuration. And ultimately, that's what workers on the ship did, too. They put up a tarp because they said that there was a paint barge blocking view of it. But then the barge was ordered to be moved. And so the people who work on the ship said that out of respect for John McCain, its namesake, that they would never cover it up with a tarp or try to hide it or diminish it in any way. Acting Defense Secretary Pat Shanahan also was asked about this. He just flat out said that I didn't know anything about it. He didn't approve anything and that he would never dishonor Senator John McCain. I would never dishonor the memory of a great American patriot like Senator McCain. I also think it's important I'd never disrespect the young men and women that crew that ship. That's basically the whole thing. Somebody in the office did go ahead and try to make this directive happen. It's a complicated issue. I don't really think the president ordered this. I honestly don't think the president even knew that the USS John McCain was stationed there. Why would he even know or care that it was there? He's there to do a Memorial Day event and talk to service members. It seems like it was somebody in the office trying to get ahead of the president's ire. I agree with you completely on that. I also, to the point where they said that they dismissed several hundred sailors off the ship because the Navy hats that they're assigned to wear have John McCain's name emblazed on them, that they were just gone for the long weekend. I don't think that there was actually a nefarious thought about this from Trump. I agree with you. I don't think he even comprehended that the ship was there. Right. But it just stokes this whole political controversy. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows the fight that the president and John McCain had. And it just amplifies there. I feel really bad for Meghan McCain because this whole controversy pops up again. She was on The View on her show and she said that the president is a child and all this stuff. It's just tough to square away. This is how Meghan McCain reacted. 
It's impossible to go through the grief process when my father, who's been dead 10 months, is constantly in the news cycle Mm -hmm. because the president is so obsessed with the fact that he's never going to be a great man like he was. This story could have easily died on Wednesday if President Trump had just said, you know what? I have no idea. We'll look into it. If this is true, there's going to be consequences and killed it. But he had to twist the knife. I'm assuming they'll find out who the person was that sent the original email and they'll get a strong reprimand just for making a controversy out of nothing. Right. Thanks for joining us, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. That's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.